Over the past four weeks, we've been talking about a campaign called What's the Future? It's all about getting everyday Australians discussing the big issues facing them and involved in coming up with solutions. You can go to wtf.org.au, ask questions of experts on the issues, and then you can submit a solution. Basically, it's asking everyday Aussies to come up with ideas rather than leave it up to the politicians who, let's face it, most of the time seem to be out of touch. We've looked at three big issues so far, the energy crisis, the future of work, housing affordability, and tonight we're looking at the fourth issue, the future of Australia's children. The reason it's so important is that uh, the early years of a child are vital to their opportunities as an adult. We're talking about the well-being of kids up to the age of five. Children who start school in good shape are likely to learn well and are more likely to develop the skills they'll need to make them productive members of the workforce later on in life. We've had headlines in the past week about welfare and how much we spend on it. A report found children are almost twice as likely to receive social security payments in later life if their parents had received benefits. So we as a country need to look at how we're setting kids up for the future. To talk about the topic of thriving kids in a little bit more depth, we're joined by Sue West. She's a senior manager at the Murdoch Children's Research Institute and an associate director at the Centre for Community Child Health at the Royal Children's Hospital. Sue, thank you very much for your time tonight. Hello, Michael. Let's start with the situation in Australia. Overall, the development of uh, Australian children is improving. However, the data shows there's still more work to do. Yes, that's right. And let me start by just saying a few things about the importance of those very early years, which really are important for an important time of development and help set up, set children up for a lifetime of health and well-being. So lots of the problems that we see in um, adults, uh, such as diabetes and heart disease, mental health, problems, criminality, poor literacy, unemployment, etc., have their origins in the pathways that begin really early in a child's life and often in very early childhood. That doesn't mean that what happens in those, those very early days invariably determines later development, but the more that we can do to support children in those very early years, the better um, they'll be across their life course. So the good news is that the large majority of Australian kids are doing fine, Um, The not-so-good news is that more than 20% of kids or 65,000 Australian five-year-olds arrive at school developmentally vulnerable and not able to take full advantage of the opportunity school offers. And in my mind, that's an unacceptably high number of children. And the statistics are worse for some communities. For kids from disadvantaged backgrounds, this number almost doubles and uh, the number increases to two in five kids uh, from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander backgrounds. Some people would say that uh, raising children to be responsible citizens is up to parents, but is it something that we all need to take responsibility for? I think to, we, what we know is that to thrive, children need to feel loved and safe. They need to have material basics, experience good health and have opportunities to learn and be active in their learning. Um, and they need to have a positive sense of identity and culture. And in order for children to have these sorts of experiences, we all have a role to play. So, of course, parents and carers are critical, um, and there's ample evidence of the importance of the early uh, um, the home learning environment for child development. And kids who come from warm and caring families and environments that are language-rich, for example, uh, develop much better than children who don't. 
However, it's important um, not to just uh, sit responsibility with um, parents and carers. We know that there's lots of um, things that can get in the way of families being able to support good developmental outcomes, how well their basic needs are being met, their sense of social connectedness, their access to high-quality services, family-friendly workplaces that support family work balance. So all of these things mm. fit within the domain of governments, employers, extended family and friends and communities. Yeah. Together we can all make a difference. So, Sue, essentially what you're saying there is that businesses and governments uh, also do have a role to play to ensure that children do thrive. Yes, that's right. Sue, uh, some analysis of 18 years of Centrelink records found that children are almost twice as likely to receive social security payments in later life if their parents had received benefits. How do you break that cycle of dependence? In some ways, it's not a surprise. Um, These results aren't a surprise. We know that there's a link between poverty and increased developmental vulnerability for children. And we know that kids who start behind, so experience childhood um, vulnerability, stay behind. So it's not a surprise that these kids um, face challenges in young adulthood. And this report really does confirm the case for investing more in early childhood and for policies and programs that address the conditions under which families are raising kids. So not just about preschool and childcare, but as much about housing, employment and income. So the National Partnership on Universal Access to Early Education, it's driven significant rises in preschool participation in recent years. But the participation of Australian three-year-olds in early learning, well, that's still lagging behind the rest of the developed world. Why is that? And does it really matter that three-year-olds aren't going to preschool? Well, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the reason that our rates for four-year-olds are so high is because there's um, government-committed funding, Commonwealth government funding, to universal access for 15 hours of um, preschool for all Australian children. The same isn't the case for three-year-olds. And so we inevitably see that the, um, the uptake of three-year-old kinder is at reduced rates, and, and largely that's for... Um, affordability and access reasons. It's not part of it. It's not kind of enshrined in policy as part of the universal system. So our, our, our participation rates for four-year-olds are increasing. They're still lower than OECD, many OECD countries, but they are um, increasing. But for three-year-olds, we're, we are quite behind. However, it's, it's hard to read some of these statistics because there are many three-year-olds who also participate in um, early learning settings other than preschool. So, for example, in long daycare or childcare, as we know it. And, Sue, I suppose the perennial questions, are state and federal governments doing enough? What does need to change in Australia when it comes to uh, setting up kids for a, a good future? I mean, you, you could argue that people like uh, Simon Birmingham, the federal education minister, which is responsible for a lot of the things that you're talking about, would say that the government is doing enough and is investing in this area. Governments are certainly um, investing in some really important programs for young children and their families. However, the children who would most benefit from um, additional supports are not necessarily getting access to those. So even in the preschool, the universal preschool program, um, our research suggests that there are barriers um, associated with, um, as I said earlier, fees and um, other um, uh, affordability issues that mean that the kids most uh, who most need these services are not necessarily getting them. And expenditure in the early years, um, it should really be regarded as an investment in the prosperity of Australia rather than spending upstream where problems occur um, 
uh, you know, such as in the juvenile justice system, uh, etc. We should really be making sure that all kids get the best uh, the best start in life. So all policies should be scrutinised, not no, so not just in Birmingham's portfolio, but all policy, policies should be scrutinised to ensure that they don't inadvertently impact on the ability of families to provide nurturing and stimulating and um, rich environments for kids. There also could be stronger alignment between different levels of government uh, with common strategies to support families. And, you know, even in something as simple as childcare, which currently is conceptualised as child-minding to get parents back to work, could be broadened in terms of our understanding that childcare is a really important uh, opportunity for um, supporting children's learning. So that, that nuancing means that the kind of policies that we say in childcare might look, might look different if we um, took that approach. Sue, definitely some food for thought there. Thank you very much for your time this evening. Thanks, Michael. That's uh, Sue West there, a senior manager at the Murdoch Children's Research Institute. She's also an associate director at the Centre for Community Child Health at the Royal Children's Hospital. I'm keen to get your thoughts on this big issue of setting Australian children up for a good future. How do we break the welfare dependency cycle? 131873. Also, as I mentioned earlier, this is one of four topics being discussed in the What's the Future campaign. If you want to take part, you can ask questions, submit your ideas for a solution, go to wtf.org.au.